I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. LinkedIn presents... For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Amanda Tullison. She's the Chief Marketing Officer at Weight Watchers, where she's responsible for leading the company's global marketing strategy across performance marketing, brand marketing, and creative. Amanda has 20 years of experience building brands focused on creating unique value for consumers. Prior to Weight Watchers, she was Chief Customer Officer at Masonette, a curated baby and kids marketplace. And prior to Masonette, she was the Chief Customer Officer at Birchbox, overseeing marketing, creative product, and technology. Her deep focus on customer insights aligned that company around reaching its target customer. And on the show today, we talk about her transition to Weight Watchers, how she's revitalizing a 60-year-old established brand, tapping into its founder roots, and where she's focused in terms of their target customer and how she's bringing the marketing to life. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Amanda Tullison. Well, Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. No, I'm really excited to talk about Weight Watchers and and we'll get there, I promise. <laughs> but I have to hear this story about you and a runaway horse. Tell yes. me more about this. Yes, this is always my 
fun fact about me that I trot out <laughs> for people. <laughs> so yeah, I had the amazing opportunity in business school. As often happens, right? So many people from all over the world kind of come to business school. So a trip organized to go to Mongolia by a classmate. And we really really were getting the off the typical tour experience. So we, part of it was going to the beautiful Gobi Desert there. And we were visiting with some locals who are well known for their horses and their horsemanship and later later found out for the horse racing but that comes later <laughs> so one of the activities was to ride the horses it's pretty common in retrospect it did seem a little strange that there was only one horse for our group but at the time i volunteered to be the first because i had some experience riding as a kid and i say that very loosely as in i went to summer camps <laughs> riding <laughs> horses not that i was kind of doing dressage riding as a young young child so i feel like i had a little overconfidence there so the first thing I noticed was the saddle was really different. It was kind of wooden and really high stirrups, almost like jockey jockeys. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know, I can, I can do this. So I got up, you know, I'm waving to everyone. We go off at a little trot and just immediately, <laughs> immediately the horse grabs the bit and just starts galloping into the desert. And I mean like into the desert, as in there's literally <laughs> nothing else. In front. Just imagine the movie, you know, the horizon you're, <laughs> you're galloping into. I'm trying all the tricks I knew as a 10-year-old to like stop this horse and nothing's happening. So I'm just like, either I'm going to gallop across the Gobi Desert or I'm going to jump off this horse. <laughs> so I jumped off the horse. I, I, oh by some goodness. miracle, I mean, galloping horse, by some miracle, I landed and rolled and I didn't hurt myself at all. <laughs> I, I don't know how that happened. The horse is, keeps going. No concern for me. And I'm just standing there. I'm looking around. I see uh, some goats. <laughs> at that point, I'm just like, I'm sure someone will come for the goats at some point, you know. And then over the horizon, I see kind of all these all these guys on like horses and motorcycles coming <laughs> to check on me. And my friend said, you know, as soon as the horse galloped out, they were all kind of freaking out and kind of sent the cavalry out. But where the story we found out later was that normally they have these nice placid tourist horses for us to ride, but they had been lost in a rainstorm the night before. And they didn't want to cancel on us. So it was, a, it was like a Mongolian racehorse they put me on. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they won't ever make that switch again. And no one else in my group obviously did any horseback riding. But yeah, that is my, that is my jumped off a horse in the Mongolian desert story. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, I'm glad you didn't get hurt. I mean, what, that was it, it must be sand. So maybe that yeah, helped pushing I, the ball. I think the biggest retrospect, you're not thinking about it at the time, it was just pure adrenaline. It was like mm-hmm. if my foot had like gotten caught in the stirrup oh, or something. Gosh. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know how I didn't hurt myself, but it's, yeah, <laughs> not good luck used up there. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Well, I, I don't even know how to transition from that, <laughs> but we will, uh, we will transition. So I'd love, I mean, so you're the chief marketing officer at Weight Watchers. Where did you get your start beyond post business school and this race horse experience? <laughs> Yes. Uh, where did, where did you where did you go and and kind of what were the stops along the way? Yeah, well, obviously, for you know, top of my resume is the Mongolian racehorse story, <laughs> which really get, gets me in the door. So yeah, the path to to CMO of Weight Watchers, really CMO at all, is like a not wasn't a fully planned path, I guess oh. I'll say. Like a, a a good friend of mine who was the head of people at Birchbox, I was at Birchbox after business school. I guess I should start. I was at um, brand consulting. That was kind of had been my experience mm-hmm. prior. I made the jump to operational side with Birchbox, the kind of beauty subscription startup and uh, as head of brand initially. And a good friend of mine there who's head of people once described two ways people approach their careers. We either approach it as a ladder or a jungle gym. And really that always stuck with me because really I have a kind of visceral anti-reaction to the ladder. 
<laughs> I realized like, I, I just like something of, I've never been able to have that. Oh, this is where I want to be in five years. And I'm going to like make it happen. I really enjoy the more jungle of gym experience where you're, you know, you're going forward, but you're also going sideways and you don't know mm. where that kind of forward is necessarily going to take you. But you're excited by just kind of the moving forward and the skill building and the growth opportunities. So yeah, I didn't have a master plan to become a public company CMO or even a CMO or even to be in marketing. I, you know, I started in psychology, fell into marketing. But yeah, the path at CMO was at Birchbox. I was head of brand, marketing, loving it, loving it. And I actually, a year before I became the CMO at Birchbox, I had actually told people I would never want to be a CMO. (laughs) (laughs) This is a true story. (laughs) Words out of my mouth. I was like, I'll never want to be a CMO because I loved what I did. I love brand. I love brand. I love consumer research. I love digging into the meaningful human connections we can make with consumers. And I couldn't imagine taking on more, a broader scope, I wouldn't be doing as much of that day to day. So how it happened was though, the CMO at the time, Dina Bari, who's amazing, she's now the CMO at StockX, left and and we were interviewing candidates who were great and really talented. But in my jungle gym mentality, I was like interviewing them and thinking, well, I know this business really well. I know marketing. I think I can create (laughs) value. And like, this is, you know, I think it's, like, should I put my hat in the ring? To, it wasn't something I had planned. It was kind of fortuitous moment. And I do that. I threw my hat in the ring and, and got the role and turned out that I really, I really enjoyed it. I, yes, I, I wasn't doing, obviously brand was part of it, but taking on performance and comms and PR and what I kind of lost in being able as deep on kind of the brand part as I had been before was that I learned I really enjoyed the kind of the team growth and management aspects of it, which really tie back to my psychology background and how do you really build an organization that is growing people that where everyone can thrive, that is, is, is putting people in the right roles based on you know, their skill set and where they want to be that I hadn't even entertained could be something I would, I would enjoy. So kind of fast forward similarly, so kind of like <laughs> accidentally uh, ending up in the CMO role and finding out I enjoyed it. So after Birchbox, I, I decided to challenge myself further. And I went to early stage to see what was that. So I went to Mason at a, it was at the time a Series A children's marketplace startup and took that from Series A to Series C. And then the Weight Watchers role was a, a, an outreach to me by a recruiter. I was really enjoying Mason at and growing it. And at first when Weight Watchers reached out, I didn't, I didn't really see the fit. Cause I was, you know, had been a start. I was like, I'm a startup CMO. That's kind of my ethos. <laughs> That's my brand. And, and what really turned my head and got me in the door to have the interview was that they had hired, the board had hired and brought on Seema Sistani to be the CEO February of last year, who was the CEO and co-founder of House Party. Mm-hmm. And so she, you know, that really just signaled to me that this could be another great jungle gym move because yes, it would be an environment where I could grow and learn and, and kind of do new things. But also, you know, she coming from that same world would value that startup mentality and energy and way of thinking I could bring to the table. So took that first interview and, and it was really kind of a strong connection from the moment yeah. we, we first spoke. Well, I mean, it, it does sound like, I mean, the CEO was the, a big draw and the, the what she was bringing to the table as well. Like how, how did you know that the company could have frankly, absorb the two of you. <laughs> Maybe that's the best that's way to great, I love that. I'll have to tell her that. Uh, <laughs> how could I absorb us? You know, I think it was, I don't know, that was a question. That was definitely a question. I think, yeah. uh, I mean, I think I find that exciting. I, one thing I, one of the kind of lines, my kind of personal brand lines that I 
are really de- near and dear to my heart is that I thrive when I'm 10, 10 steps out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to be, I'm not interested in being somewhere where the outcome is certain mm. or predetermined or it's kind of momentum that is driving the opportunity. So for me, it was attractive that that combination of this heritage brand, the 60-year-old business, Weight Watchers is turning 60 this year, in a transformational moment in need of kind of transformation and evolution and with a big opportunity if that happens, but certainly not a guaranteed thing, right? Needs the kind of energy and risk-taking. And um, and I think that's a great, could the, the organization absorb? That was definitely a question as, as I, I joined. And But for me, you know, coming in, knowing that at the, my, you know, the leader, the kind of SEMA at the, at the helm would give me the headroom and the support to try. Right. Right. And to kind of, to kind of truly give it my 100% and believe, believe in that way forward. Yeah. Was what kind of really made it an attractive opportunity. That makes sense. Makes sense. And just that also the nature, your personal brand of being 10 steps out of your comfort zone (laughs) and taking a leap. Probably not everyone would have taken a leap. But um, glad you did. <laughs> yeah, and that's—I mean—it can be exhausting for that to be my personal brand, but, <laughs> but it's kind of rooted in my personality. I, I've learned that about myself, and so I really use it as a filter for for the opp- opportunities. So that's where I'm going to do my best work. That's where I'm going to be most excited and bring my full self. And being an environment that has that opportunity, but also people who similarly feel that way and thrive in those moments. And it was really clear that SEMA um, brought that same energy. Well, as you mentioned, it, it is a 60-year-old brand and organization. Where have you focused your energy in the time that you've been there so far? Yeah, so I've been here eight months, which in true true fashion of it, feeling like it is a startup in transformational mode feels like probably two years, yeah. <laughs> but it has been eight months. And I've had probably three big focus areas, I'd say. One, which you know wouldn't be surprising based on what we just discussed was organizational structure and culture. So a really, you know, just huge, huge movements and changes happening there, even before I came, right? Uh, So there was movement to make it more of a global centralized approach in general as a business before I joined with SEMA at the helm. And before that, it had been a very decentralized approach to running. Like we're we're in many markets and across many countries. And there was GMs in all of those markets with kind of different functions reporting up into it. So there was a move to make it more centralized in general. And then with me coming in to like think about how that, that was like one of my first kind of mandates was to think about that, how that would play out for marketing. And this was really important to work through quickly because of the fact that it was a time of transformation and rapid change, right? Obviously a decentralized model can work. It's a business model that people employ organizational model, but because of the moment we're in where we want to evolve rapidly and kind of make bets and changes, that need right. for kind of that tight, that kind of ability to be nimble and move quickly, which does work much better in a centralized structure. So a lot of work around that and how do I create, a, you know, what is the right structure for a global Weight Watchers marketing team? What does that look like? What are the roles, redefining roles for people, the expectations I have? And in lo- really importantly in line with that is the culture piece of that, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just the, the, the kind of bone, I guess the organizational structure is the bones of it. And then right. the culture is kind of the meat you're putting on the bones of, of it, which is, you know, the ways of working and really bringing bringing to people that sense of, as I mentioned, that startup energy that we need to have an appetite for risk-taking and bold moves and 
that really working hard so that everyone at every level understands the strategy so they can be the mini C CMOs, be the entrepreneurs to, to drive change without it having to constantly ladder up and down for, for decision-making. So, so that's been a real focus. The next place has been performance, rigor, and data-driven decision-making, just kind of that mar modern marketing performance engine. They had a great data stack when I came, which was really great. We have a great chief data officer. So a lot of it was just bringing, I guess, acting on the data that we had mm. um, and taking, as I said before, bold moves and bold changes. We've really focused on optimizing on LTV to CAC and, and taking that global perspective of where we can we should look at how to deploy that across countries or quarters or channels and the way to create the most ROI and just and kind of follow the data and the nimbleness of that. So there's the planning part of it, but also like in the day-to-day -day of it, making changes, making redeployments in a really rapid manner, which was new to the team. And I'm really impressed with how they've adapted to that really quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen great, great results from doing so. And then the final focus was really brands. There's an opportunity of creating a lot more brand relevance and dusting off old percep perceptions of this heritage brand while still really embracing our status as a heritage brand and a leader in this category. So just really digging deep into who, what is our brand? Who is our consumer? What is our brand strategy wrapped around that? What's the history of this? That's something fun and new for me. Mm. You know, having been in startups before, it was all about building the, the founding story versus I did a lot of kind of exploration and diving back into the story of Jean Knight. She was the OG female founder of Weight Watchers and the community she built where she inspired millions of women like her to learn how to eat and have a healthy relationship to, um, with food to have weight loss and health outcomes. So that's been super fun. I'd say one real aha moment I had in that exploration from the brand for me was that Weight Watchers is the name of the community. <laughs> it's the name of people, which is like right. one of those words, you know how words like lose their meaning almost <laughs> when you use them too much? Yeah. Weight Watchers right now, it's like this corporate name to a lot of people, I think. They think of it as just the name of a company that was picked out of a hat. But people, for Jean, you were a Weight Watcher. People were Weight Watchers. It was about being a Weight Watcher and being a part of this community and being a part of that membership that was special. And people were proud to say, I'm a Weight Watchers and have that badge. And so really digging back into that ethos and the roots of that and how do we bring that into the modern brand. Right, right. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, I mean, to your point, like the fact that you had that rich history, you had a icon. <laughs> yes, know, OG an absolute icon. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot to work with, which is awesome. And it's always fun for me to see brands that kind of tap into the heritage to then find 
how they can kind of move and innovate from there again. Yeah. And I think what's, what's fun about Jean in particular is like the more you learn about her, the more she's like, she was so witty and relatable and fun. She was a, <laughs> a housewife from the Bronx that created a move. <laughs> she, she created a movement that kind of became a company, you know, yes. and she would, she would be so popular today, right? <laughs> like, like she would fit right in. She was brash. She was bold. She would say what was on her mind. And, you know, I think it would be different if you kind of went back in the history of Weight Watchers and found something that didn't feel as kind of such a great fit for, I think, the modern times. But she, it, it really is kind of, I feel like, un, unleashing some of that genius energy that is, a, is very inspirational for us internally. And just like, how can we twist that, put some sparkle on it for the modern the kind of modern world, but it, it was exciting to find how, how rich it was and how much there is to work with. Well, uh, who are you guys targeting today? Like who are you focused on in the market? Yeah. So that was one of my first day one questions. And I'm a super, as all marketers are consumer oriented, focused on consumer, consumer driven business strategies. So my first question that we have a wonderful head of insights and innovation here was like, who's our consumer? And I think with a lot of big companies, which is great, but kind of she shared like, well, here's the segmentation, right? Here's kind of like five different targets we're going after. And it all makes sense. But I brought, for me, coming from startup world, and especially in this moment of transformation, I pushed really hard to get to, but who is that one description of the human that we're mm. all building for, that we can rally a hand around, that we can like wrap our arms around and give a big hug and know that if we all understand this person, across the entire company, not just for marketing, right? This is a target comforter for the customer for the business that we know we're going to be all building something special and unique for that person. So we did that work and, and, and we named her the life craver. And this is now used throughout the organization. It's a real rallying port central door strategy. And you know, her model is if you're going to motto is if you're going to do it, you might as well enjoy it. So she's really the go-to person for everyone in her life. She creates experiences for other people. She can sometimes struggle to prioritize herself. And for her, fuel is so much more than food. It's really, she really believes in the power of food to nourish and to heal, or how it can connect people and celebrate people. It's woven into the fabric of her life in a really deep and meaningful way beyond kind of the kind of nutrition you get from it. She'll share her heritage with special rep recipes. She likes to create moments around the table with friends and family. Right. If you think of the life cravers, the person in your life that plans their vacations by thinking about, you know, and doing the research of all the local food experiences they can have on vacation. So it's so mm -hmm. much deeper. It's more a part of their self-identity than for other people. And the reason this the life craver is such a is kind of our target and why it's such a great relationship with Weight Watchers is she turns to us because our philosophy is that you can lose weight and still eat the foods you love, right? Nothing's off the menu at Weight Watchers. You don't have to shut down that core part of your self-identity. And a lot of our industry, what they'll do is try to minimize the, the kind of natural human joy of eating in order right. to make dieting more appealing. You think of like a shake diet or something, right? Like that's right. what, you know, it's right. trying to make eating not enjoyable so that you will do it less. <laughs> and for some people that could work, right? But for our life craver, that's really an identity crisis because so much of... <laughs> who they are as a person is wrapped up in these experiences around food in a good way, in a healthy way, in a way that humans relationship with food is a kind of beautiful thing. Right. So, so that's who we're focused on and really just helping the life caber feel what's possible that you can improve your relationship with food and build sustainable, healthy habits while maintaining that love of food in the celebration of food, because 
that is what's going to make it feel livable, sustainable, and again, keep that core identity. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I love the notion of life cravers. I mean, I self-identify with that. I think my, entire family, <laughs> my entire family would do. I mean, we're planning a trip right now to uh, to Spain and it's all about where we're eating. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's the That's like question number one in the quiz of yeah. are you a life craver? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, that to me is such a great, to me, you know, when I've, my background actually before kind of all of this CMO marketing was in consumer research and that was always one of the criteria I had was like, does this feel, it has to feel like a real person, right? Like, like you, who comes to mind when we just, like when I describe that, this is exactly what you want to happen. When I describe this, you have to be like, okay, yes, my friend Jenny is, and my friend Sam is not right. Like that, it should be really clear. And then, you know, you're onto something because those are real people and humans. You can, if you understand them, you can kind of reflect that back to them and and make them feel seen and, and make sure your product more importantly, and your offering is really meeting their unique needs. Right. Well, and there's so much rich context too that you can leverage downstream in your marketing and how you, the moments that you communicate around. <laughs> I mean, there, there's so much there, I guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> that you can work with. So it, it's amazing. Um, and it's not just about, it is about the outcome, right? Like managing your weight, but it's through living life the way I want to live it. Um, yeah. And that was a gene. That was a gene insight. Again, we're not, it's not the more we dug in, the more it was just like right, bringing to life, I think, the truth that maybe had gotten um, not lost as much as just hidden. a little dusty. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like it's, it, yeah. it's kind of like boiling it down to the most, the kind of core of what is true. Cause that was always true for Jean was, that was her message, right? It has to be livable. It has to be, you know, this is hard. So why not not have fun while we're doing it and have a little levity mm. and, and recognize that for it to be a solution that works, it has to be something that fits within your life. Um, and, and how you relate to food. Love it. Well, how, if we go from the insight and the definition of the human that you're trying to reach, how are you bringing the brand to life today? Yeah. So hopefully it won't surprise you and feel very intuitive. And actually you're a great litmus test as a life (laughs) self-identified life craver is that right. We're taking this, you know, thinking of the life craver and gene as our inspiration. We're really focused on celebrating the love of food, which is super at odds of what you might expect a, a kind of brand in this space to do and kind of right. weight loss and weight management. But that's, that is what the life, the craver is about. And like, we want to say, we see you and we're also going to show you how you can do that. And, you know, mm. so you can sell it, um, eat the foods you love and still lose weight, which is what the program is about. Right. right? So a lot of that in the uh, marketing side of things, just doing kind of really focusing on food inspiration and food culture, bringing a more joyful and witty vibe to what we're doing. So I'll kind of give you some examples. We're taking it. We in our campaign, uh, the first kind of campaign I worked on that we launched in January. Uh, it's called "Return to Feeling Good," and it it kind of puts you in this situation where you're in a Weight Watcher store, as if we were a store that you could return things to. And it's taking all of these kind of expectations of what it's like to be on a weight loss journey that are a big turnoff to life cravers, like, or what diet culture kind of expects of you, which is like negative self-talk. So, Mm. right. When you're like, oh, I I shouldn't eat this bread. It's so bad for me. Or I shouldn't have that dessert or the love hate relationship with cookies and that you should have Mm. this, that the hate part of it is, is what you should have. And we basically were like, 
you should return all of that <laughs> and really leaning into the kind of, it was right after Christmas and when everyone's feeling a little, a, a little full. Yeah. A little full, <laughs> a little bit of maybe overindulgence. And also that you're giving back all of your, you know, returning all your gifts that you're, you know, from your relatives giving you ties mm. or socks. And so leaning into that, so it was a return to feeling good. Well, it was kind of like uh, a metaphor of consumers who were kind of returning negative self-talk or a love hate relationship with cookies, for example, saying, well, you can just return the hate you know that, right? You, you don't have, you can just love the cookies and still lose weight. So leaning into that, we, unexpected partnerships has been a fun area to play in. So yeah. we did a partnership with Bake by Melissa, which is a, a famous kind of mini cupcake company in New York City. And their cupcakes are kind of one or two points each. So we did a partnered on an exclusive pack you could buy. And the messaging to both of our communities was, you know, eat a cupcake and still stay on track, period. Like <laughs> just that's okay. Eat a yeah. cup. It's okay. That's allowed. That's actually part of what, what you do to stay on track is to allow yourself sometimes to have that cupcake. Um, and that went over really well with both our communities, both in kind of the concept, but also the tone as, you know, kind of being a little more, not edgy, but kind of witty, witty, joyful, right? And then we've also been looking for inspiration and kind of what's happening in the world around, especially in social, like what are creators doing now that we have this focus on kind of celebration of food. There's so many amazing creators um, making food content, food or food related content on TikTok, on Instagram. So one great example is Nisha Godfrey, who had this trend that took off kind of, I feel like, was it the summer last year? I'm trying to remember when we did this Um, around chicken salad. She, she just like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, she wasn't, she, she became basically fa- TikTok famous from this. She was not, not famous at all or had no, didn't have a big following. It was just her, a video of her eating a chicken salad at her local kind of local shop and just like really enjoying it. <laughs> and that pure joy, it just took off. People started making all these videos with the sound of what was the food for you that brings that simple joy. And so seeing that, you know, that's our strat- part of our strategy is like see that, identify that and to sprinkle fame on these people who are a life craver and expressing the life craver joy of food. So we we brought her in, we brought her into New York. Um, she made a chicken salad recipe for us. We dropped it in the app and shared, kind of made her famous by being a part of our world. And it was a really great, a great relationship and people loved it. Like over a million views on our TikTok of that and um, just got a lot of credit for for engaging authentically with um, creators on that platform. Yeah. I'll say that the final one is a fun example because it really pushes the brand tone was we also made a TikTok filter <laughs> that was an F Mary kill of your of foods <laughs> that really took off. Like it was, I think it was over 10,000 uses, not probably more, I haven't checked in a while, but it was people like couldn't stop doing it, right? So it's like, you know, it. it <laughs> Imagine above your head, it's like different foods popping up and you have to decide if you F marry or kill it. <laughs> and people, you know, that's the thing about food. People have like really <laughs> strong emotions about this. Like who they yes. end up, right? Did you make the right decision? Did you marry too early? So <laughs> that, I think just that is such a human feeling and playing into that um, while again, making sure we're still bringing the underpinnings of it, which at the end of the day, we're celebrating this food too help you on your weight loss journey and health outcomes journey. So yeah. underpinning all of this and what we bring to to the brand and the kind of the science-backed approach, right? So we have we have a science team, which we have a chief scientific officer here, which a lot of people don't know, nutritionists, behavior change experts, and, and bringing them into our social world and our brand world and, and making sure we're also providing easy to understand kind of the, the science that's driving the program as well. Right. Well, I, I really love all those examples of one and for, they're 
fantastic. And for somebody that identifies as a life trainer, <laughs> they work for me. Great. Uh, but I really love, I, I really love too, the, the, you know, Baked by Melissa in particular, because it's about the choice, yeah. the decision that you're making. And the, the TikTok filter, as funny as it is, it's also like that, right? Like you're, yeah. you're actually actively thinking about your choice and in a silly way, but in a fun way. And it, they are passionate decisions, mm-hmm. like, especially if you are a life craver. I have a lot of opinions about <laughs> food <laughs> and, and uh, I can't wait to eat dinner tonight with some friends. And, uh, you know, it's going to be about the food and the drink and the everything. Yeah. Um, so uh, those are, it, those are amazing. And they reinforce that notion, I think, which is where you guys are at the intersection of the you know, weight management solution is the choices, right? And, and, monitoring your choices over time and building those behaviors, et cetera. Uh, yeah, we have what's interesting as a brand builder is I'm able to lean like really heavily in one area with this brand and what I'm trying mm. to do right now because brand awareness is not the challenge. People no. know, you know, right. <laughs> right? You're like, do you know Weight Watchers? People are like, yes. yes. Do you know, do you know what Weight Watchers is in mm. the category like in the category of doing? Yeah, you know it's about weight loss and weight management. So that's what like the examples I'm giving you are not they're in the context of people already having that information, right? right? Which is very different. Like it's, 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 it's not balanced because that's not, I don't need to do the work of helping people one, know weight, know that Weight Watchers exist or two, know that we're in the business of or supporting members on their weight loss and weight management journeys. What I do need to do is break through in a new way with this kind of connection with life gravers, a celebration, mm-hmm. unique positioning we have of celebrating food. So that's why like if you look at our whole kind of brand strategy and all the things we want to consumers to know, the execution I'm going after isn't necessarily balanced across that because part of this is like part of that we're really well known for and part of that we're really not. And it's actually something I have to break through with, right? Like, like right. we're not seen as modern. We're not seen as kind of like necessarily the place you'll go for like, we're calling it like entertainment and <laughs> like that. And so really we're pushing hard in that area because it's where we no, we need to make the moves with the brand. No, that, may, that makes perfect sense. And um, I mean, it is, it's almost to a lot of extent, the, the things that you're pushing the brand in the direction of is in many ways kind of zigging versus the category zag. Mm-hmm. And it, it's also differentiating, frankly, as well. As you described it earlier, you know, the other solutions that are out there in the marketplace, they're not fun. I, as some speaking again, as a life craver myself, <laughs> like I don't want to just drink shakes all day. That's so yeah. boring. Well, like I might want to shoot myself afterwards. And that works for some, you know, I think yeah. that's what like to me, a great target and knowing it's your strategy is being clear, like that works for some people. And that's yeah. great. Yeah. It's just, and like, we also shouldn't be trying to Weight Watchers shouldn't be trying to go after the kind of consumer who, who that right. works for because right. that works for them, yes. <laughs> right? Like, it's like, what is our, yeah, like, what is our space? What is our unique, where, where are you creating that unique value relationship mm-hmm. with that consumer? And so that, I think that was a lot of the work I've done the past eight months and kind of bringing the organization along mm-hmm. on that tightening of focus. Yeah. Um, and I think the understanding, right, there's kind of, it doesn't mean other people are welcome to come, obviously, right? Like I said, mm-hmm. there's people who are welcome to come. Our program will work for yeah. anyone, but right. that doesn't mean your target consumer who you're really building that deepest relationship with is is everyone, right? It's yeah. it's like, you've got to be focused and clear. As you said, where is this, who is that person where you, that light goes off? And you're like, oh goodness, thank goodness, this there's a way yeah. like yeah. this to, yeah. to, meet, to meet my kind of weight loss goals. And right. that's, that's the life craver for right. us. 
and and for those life cravers, giving them really clear, easy on ramps with eater entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> what did you call it? Eatertainment. 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 Yeah. Eatertainment. Yeah. yeah. So like, yes. right. So you're yeah. Like when you think of our top of funnel, what's gonna what's gonna kind of draw in the life craver is is kind of what we call entertainment, where we're again, it's like still helpful, right? Mm-hmm. The kind of like when we're, we have a we actually just did our started our first TikTok creator class where we're finding amazing food creators in TikTok and we're having them create recipes for us. And they're recipes that follow our program. We know the points, right? Like it's it's tips and tricks on how to make swaps so that your favorite foods are kind of more healthful. But but it's still fe- it doesn't feel like you're watching how to eat on a diet. You know, right. right. That's not it's not what a lifer wants to do. It's not our it's not even it's not what our mission, our perspective is, because we this we're trying to create something that's sustainable and livable for the life craver. It's not something you do and then then kind of like stop, right? Like this is a kind of way of life. And so that's is that kind of the way in for them at that upper funnel is that, you know, what they want. They want to they want to watch like great recipes and enjoyable great how to celebrate your holidays and kind of with food and and, and kind of drink ideas. And so so that leaning into that as kind of, as you said, as like a unique value proposition for us as a brand versus others in the category. Yeah. Well, you talked about the creator class that you're starting on TikTok. What else? What's what's next? Where are you going with your marketing? Yeah. Uh, What's so many things. So yeah, the creator class is something, something that we've spun up and has been really exciting and fun. We're also starting to bring this brand new brand perspective to IRL. So we're going to be doing a Weight Watchers Carnival coming up um, where you can just imagine, right? It's like taking all of the the kind of like science elements and kind of hardworking parts of our program, but making them fun with like carnival games and ways of winning things. Like we have 200 zero points foods on our program. So how do we make that really interesting as a part of this carnival experience? And, and we'll be bringing into that our creator class and making sure it feels digital and social and has a lot of reach. So excited. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our first foray into learning how kind of an in-person experience is going to work for us. Our 60th anniversary is coming up in the spring which is really amazing. So thinking about how, as, as I talked about earlier, this is a moment to really lean into Jean, bringing her life and her story out in the opening. I just think it's this untold story of the OG, an OG female entrepreneur that doesn't really get the credit for it. So how do we celebrate her and also celebrate the millions of members that have been a part of this community over the 60 years and made it possible? So thinking of how do we make it feel like a celebration of our members and where they're really getting value out of it. Uh, is a focus. And then I'd say the final one is tied to something I talked about earlier and, you know, Seema's focus as, actually, I don't know if we touched on this, right? Her background is in product, kind mm-hmm. of digital innovation and di- not kind, of, kind of digital communities. And so she's, along with the brand evolution we've been, you know, I've spoken a lot about is a real focus on the digital product evolution at Weight Watchers as well. Uh, like a huge transformation happened or a huge shift, I guess, mixed shift happened at, at Weight Watchers during the pandemic, going from kind of majority in person to majority digital. Yeah. And so I think our product experience really hadn't kind of been kind of caught up with that yet. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's, there's just a lot of opportunity on the roadmap kind of for product innovation and that experience. And, and that what that enables is then a lot of opportunity for product marketing right? and really figuring out, which hasn't been done a lot, at Weight Watchers and really kind of honing that skill set on the team of how do we, you know, obviously a lot of what I've talked about is a higher level brand engagement mm-hmm. than kind of performance marketing expertise, but the product marketing of how do we speak about exciting features within our app 
that enable right. enable you on your journey? Like what what does that look like in our marketing? And how do we bring that kind of real utility of what we will um, be launching to the market in a way that feels fun and interesting and engaging? So that's something I'm excited about that will be kind of a new a new skill set to build up on the team. Yeah, yeah, definitely a new layer to the marketing mix component for sure. Well, this has been awesome. And I've enjoyed, you know, getting to know Weight Watchers and what you're doing with the brand, how you're refreshing it, getting the company moving in a modern way. One of the things we always love to do on the show is to kind of get back behind the microphone again, um, beyond the horse story uh, <laughs> and and learn a little bit more about you as a person. And frankly, knowing now that you're a psychology background, mm-hmm. um, yeah. my favorite question as a psychology background person myself is, uh, has there been an experience of your past that defines and makes up who you are today? Yeah. I mean, obviously the psychologist in me says many experiences (laughs) (laughs) define who I am. But yeah, I think for me, definitely a defining moment was that I had cancer right after college. I had Hodgkin's Mm -hmm. lymphoma, which is obviously an experience we had that young. And how that's impacted me is just the perspective I got from having that type of experience that young and how I react to stressors in kind of life and in work. And it's given me a unique strength that is like very notable. Like I hear this, like when peers talk about me at work, (laughs) like it's very consistent. It's always like the calm in the storm or the person you want with you on a desert Island. Like that, (laughs) that just sense of, you know, I've been through something really serious. And so it's going to take a lot to Mm. get me worked up uh, in terms of, in terms of that kind of like high, high stress energy. So for me, I tend to I just bring that kind of like a calmer, we can do that. What someone else, what someone else said, yeah, like I'm like a duck. (laughs) (laughs) Like, right. The like kind of like calmly gliding, but like, they're like, like, they're like, you must be furiously paddling under there. Like why? (laughs) So what actually what someone, I, my head of brand um, that I hired recently, like four months ago, she was saying this to me recently. She's like, she's like, are you, she's like, so you're, are you as calm as you seem? (laughs) Cause I don't really like see how that's possible. I'm like, yeah, you know, just that's, that's my vibe. <laughs> I have never heard that analogy of a you duck. You haven't? You no. heard the duck analogy? <laughs> no, I love it though. I love it though. Cause that, you definitely know those people that, yeah. you know, just like kind of like sail along. <laughs> and I love the notion of like you just working, working, working your little feet off, if you will. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I love that. Well, I, I'm glad that, you know, that I'm sure fairly traumatic experience that led to this resiliency and and uh, and 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 duck composure. <laughs> yes, duck have. composure. We will coin it now. Yeah. If you were starting this journey all over again, what is there any advice you'd give to your younger self? Yeah, I don't know about this journey. I don't. I guess the jungle gym person in me, I just <laughs> is like, <laughs> it's always like it's like follow, just follow the opportunities. You know, like yeah. I, I I don't like to overly kind of course correct what happened. I, when I was thinking about this, to me, it's one thing I wish I had stuck with that I think is just like a healthy habit in general was journaling. Mm-hmm. I used to journal when I was a kid. It's like one of those things that if you if you keep with it, you'll always do it. But it's so hard to start once you have an adult. Once you're, you know, just like, what's your dog? Yeah, I have like two ki- young kids, like right. just the job. It's just some, but I think it's such a wonderful wonderful habit that I wish to be like, stick with the, stick with the journaling kids. That's my advice. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, um, a few last kind of marketing ish questions. Is there a topic that you're trying to learn more about as a marketer? You think other marketers should be learning about? Yeah, I think 
you know, I think for me in this role, but also all marketers now in this, this remote work world, I think it's still like a totally new world. Like at Weight Watchers, at least we're fully remote. We do have an office, we can come in, but we're mostly remote. And I just think how do we, especially in marketing, how do you still foster creativity in a flat hierarchy of ideas in this digital world? I find that that particular bit of marketing, which is so critical, is more natural in a physical environment. And I'm really thinking through how, as I build out the culture of my team, how can I be more intentional about building that in a remote working environment, especially when you have big teams? I'm used to having smaller teams, which was easier to manage that. How do you do that in kind of these big teams that are now also remote? Yeah. Um, it's something that, yeah, I just think we'll need, we'll need new tools and new ways of working. Yeah, that's, that is a difficult one. And I struggle with that myself. And I think there's certain tasks and certain sizes of teams that you can do remote. But to your point, like doesn't always fit. Yeah. Um, and so I, I haven't found the silver bullet myself yet, but I, I think there's times where it's like we have to be together. Like it's just we have to make it work somehow and schedule around that, if you will. But uh but yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's a very tough one. Well, are there brands or companies or causes you personally follow or you think other people should be taking notice of? A really timely one, which has always been a favorite brand of mine, is the Farmer's Dog, who is kind of a startup. I mean, they've been around for a while. It's, mm-hmm. um, they do kind of fresh human-grade food for pets. But they, I think it's a great story that they... So they had a Super Bowl ad and they won the USA Today ad meter kind of for kind of the consumer favorite versus all these big brands with big budgets. And it was a, it was a... It was in-house. They didn't even really make it <laughs> to be a Super Bowl ad. They just like made a really beautiful, poignant, authentic video about like the true kind of why they founded this, which is about the special relationship between dogs and humans. And they're like, this is so good. We should put it on the Super Bowl. And I just think one, I think they're an amazing brand and like really, really, you know, if anyone who has animals, (laughs) I think I, I recommend them. We use them with, I have two dogs, but also just they're so, I find them to be so true to the founding story. I know the founders, I've met them and just so authentic and stay true to themselves every step of the way, which I think is something to be admired. That's awesome. Well, the last question for you, what do you think is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today? Yeah. I don't know if it's the largest, you know, <laughs> got a copy. I'm always like, oh, he's copy. I'm like, I don't know if it's the largest, but I think an interesting opportunity is marketing leaders working to establish our unique value as independent board members. Mm. It's something I'm starting to think about, not for now, but you know, it's like thinking of my jungle gym. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you know, another thing I could start learning about is board members. And traditionally, independent board members are basically finance or operations leaders. And there's not as much valued in the marketing leader on the board perspective, which I think is a huge miss in terms of what a marketer can bring with our customer obsession, our understanding of customer-driven business strategy. I think a lot of that is just misperceptions of marketers as kind of bringing in the traffic, you know, yeah. or figuring out what the brand is as opposed to, you know, the great CMOs today are, it's, it's consumer-driven business strategy and how, mm-hmm. how that connects across the full organization. And that's of real value. And kind of today's world of kind of brand building and business building. And, and, and I just, I think, I'm not sure what the solution is. It's, it's how do we build? It's like, we need to establish like a, a new, a brand for CMOs, you know, and, yes. and a brand that is, is kind of clear on the value we would bring at the board level. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And you, if you haven't, maybe I'll send this to you after the fact, but I did an interview. I think we talked about her research, but a woman named Kim Whitler, who's a UVA business 
professor, business school professor, and she studied this exact thing, right? mm. like board composure and the presence or lack thereof of marketing mm. experience on the board and the correlated impact that the companies have. And it companies outperform when they have marketing experience and it's tiny and infinitesimal <laughs> on there today's you go. board, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's it's fascinating research and kind of proof that there is some experience missing at the board level for sure. And we're starting to see some headway. I think like the executive recruiters I talk to that work in this space, there's definitely more of an appetite for marketers on boards. And it, I think it started through the lens of digital transformation mm-hmm. and all of yeah. that. Has, but I think it is creeping into, you know, understanding that like to grow, we need this skill set in the boardroom. And, uh, especially as we were evaluating the company's plans and things like that. So yeah, more to come on that. But that that is, uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I was just talking to another CMO recently about this and mentioned Kim's research as well. <laughs> so I, I'm giving Wait. her a lot of play, Kim, if you're out there listening. Yeah, we got to all get in a room and make a, make our personal CMO brand statement that we got to... <laughs> Exactly. Figure exactly. out how to, yeah. Because we know, it's like, we all know the value we could bring. <laughs> we just need everybody else who's picking the board members uh, and recruiting exactly. the board members to get on get on board here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We got to do some marketing of marketing. Um, <laughs> we should be good at that though, right? We should. We should. We should. <laughs> we should. Well, well, Amanda, it's been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, it was wonderful. Thank you for having me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with post-production support from Sam Robertson. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com. Tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love hearing from listeners. You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes and links to what was discussed in the episode today. And you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 